Mega Dads Live is a mature rated podcast. It's for the Mega Dads, the Mega Moms, but not the Mega Kids. So put on those earmuffs and let's go! This is your monthly visit to the place where gamer life meets real life podcasting since 2014. We are the ultimate podcast to help you balance your love of gaming with the joys of life in the real world. My name is Adam Leonard. I'm super ass excited and I, it feels like we haven't podcast in forever. I have so much to talk about and I'm going to kick it off with an announcement right here, hearing it here first. Starting next month, this very podcast, Mega Dads Live, is switching to a weekly format. That's right. Yay! You will be getting Mega Dads Live in your podcast feed every single Friday. It's going to be exciting. We're shaking things up. We're remixing the formula and the format. You're going to find this podcast weekly on YouTube as well as the podcast feed, like always. You're going to see Antonio's lovely hole like he's shown right now. And the reason that we're doing this, the reason that this is happening is because I want to chronicle and document Will's rebearding in real time week to week. What we're going to be doing is we're going to we're going to we're going to take the opening segment of the show and we're going to create a time lapse. It's going to be one of those wonderful time lapses like where you see the sun rise and set over the ocean. Only nice. it's going to be the face follicles of one wondrous will expanding at like high speed. Did it's you know, going to be sexy. It's, it's going to be fantastic. It's like, going to be furry. He has no idea this is happening. He looks uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> he's readjusting his body. Um, again, my name is Adam Leonard. Uh, I'm coming to you live from the 31st floor of Megadad's headquarters. Located in the heart of our nation's capital, Champlin, Minnesota. I'm back home after a long week at PAX and Nintendo Live. I'm going to be talking about that later with my friends. Mabel, Mabel, your man in the switchboard. Did you miss me? Oh, wow. Didn't, no, didn't even know I was gone. Rented out my room for sexual purposes. That's why it smells like three day old sour cream in there oh, oh god Ugh. nope that's not legal let's bring in our co-hosts antonio i missed you did you miss me i missed you so much i had mm -hmm. a adam pillow made it's a life-size body pillow yeah, and then I, I would put it like, you know, next to me as I slept, put it in, in the you, car when we drive around. Yeah. Speaking so of body pillows, uh, I, we'll talk about uh, the places that I've been, but one of them was Tuticon. And I saw the the Waluigi butt pillow, uh, oh, mouse pad thing that whoa. has been floating around in our Discord <laughs> for Waluigi Wednesdays, where it's like Waluigi turned around and his butt cheeks are like, they're big. The wrist support. The wrist support. I saw yeah. that. I couldn't bring myself to buy it. I thought about it, but I I couldn't, in good conscience, give money for that with my, <laughs> with my kids around. But you I saw that. You gotta thing support in real life. the arts, man. That's no. this is why we are where we are. You have to support the arts. It's and sometimes you know some items require the barter system. 
over outright capitalism. Some things it feels wrong to sully with money. Yeah. <laughs> just favors, under the table favors. Yeah. Uh, you should Antonio, have just walked up and like, yeah. do you have any other ways I could pay for this mouse pad? Oh, <laughs> that might feel worse. That might feel worse. Antonio, what have you been up to? How's how's life been? Uh, It's been, I've been in dad mode. You know, the little one got sick, got something kind of unexplained for a very long time uh the doctor tells us um she's gonna be fine you know you know she had been sick for quite a while but he's like you know just to prepare you a bit she's in school right and we're like yeah she's... and he, he goes so just so you know um she's gonna be sick like eight months out of the year she'll probably be sick about six times oh, ten times just in the fall and and we're like what and this you know i not being a dad like you hear about you know kids get sick but kids the sick, actual yeah. frequency of it is mind blowing i mean just the medical professionals are just like look it's all the time like like prepare i didn't i don't know i guess i never realized but that's how it goes kids will cough in each other's faces like and not react at all yeah. they don't understand yeah. They're cough eaters. It. Yeah. Yeah. They cough at each other. Their parents send them to school sick. Mm -hmm. I, the sickest I have ever been in my life was the first couple of years I worked in the public school system. Oh, my. Oh. I was down so often. And, well, and like, it's expected. It's yep. expected. Like, it's like, ah, oh, it's your first year. And then, like, they were, you know, I just went down over and over again because the kids are the nastiest goddamn things on the planet yeah welcome to mega dads where we talk about the grossest shit possible it, the other the doctor also said he's like okay so she's gonna be sick you know quite a bit and then you know she'll get better blah blah, blah and you know they'll build up their immune system and i don't know i thought yeah. that was a theory uh i've heard it no. the other way that you should really not get sick so it's a big controversy but i mean it's a wild ride it was Mr. Toad's wild ride for a week for Antonio. I was, See, uh, I'm dying right now. <laughs> going so going to school, going to school. There's no choice. You yeah. just got to build up a tolerance to it. Got to do it. You should have had this baby licking the bathroom floor at an early age. That's well, what I was just about to say. Like, yeah, you have to. A, a lot of parents them, they get dive them in coughs early. Yeah, I, there, I saw like a brand new newborn at a rock concert. And I was like, oh my God. And like, what are you doing? But then that baby's gonna grow up like big and yeah. strong. Yeah. <laughs> there are like so many things wrong with that idea before we even get to the sicknesses. Yeah, yeah. Extreme well, pain. Will, speaking of sick, but like in the cool way, like. Oh, I was like, am I? Oh God. You're sick, bruh. As my son <laughs> constantly says over and over he actually my son uh, real detour here my son got out uh, my wife's label maker and he made a sign for his bedroom door and it said elliot's room please stay out totally rad sick bruh and he, and he taped that to his door i love it Fuck i love his it mom, you kid magnificent so oh. what's up bruh is that the word for for the of the day dictionary term we can pivot. No, I mean, it's... <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> that, one, that one's too common, yeah. 
Everybody knows what that one means. Everybody knows that one. If anything, I'm surprised Elliot is taking to such dated, you know, phrases. As totally rad. That one's my, that one is my fault. I don't know where <laughs> sick bra came from, but anyway, I don't know. Hawaii probably some kid at school, and and not one of the popular ones. You either get laryngitis or bad slang. The school system is just a cesspool all around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, kind of by design at this point, but yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm still coming down from the troubleshooting frustration. Nothing will get me frustrated faster than something on a computer not doing what it's supposed to for no discernible reason. You must be frustrated a lot. I just don't use it that much. Technology gremlins were plaguing the start of the show. We're going to, we're going to rebound. We're in, we're in a recover. We're in a bounce. We came in with such hype. (laughs) I did, and then my computer wouldn't let me put that hype on the internet. So then I turned it off and back on, and it was like, okay, that's fine. Except now you can't use the nice headphones. You have to use the old ratty ones if you want to hear the other part of the conversation. Maybe next month, maybe next month if this happens again, maybe I just won't hear the podcast. You'll we'll just signal in- me with your hands, and we'll just see what happens. We'll invest in, like, the tin can, and we'll have just this big fucking string going halfway across the country. Mega Dad charades. It'll be amazing. <laughs> Don't worry, Will. We're going we're gonna to inject this. Oh, why am I using two fingers? We're going to inject <laughs> podcast with a little bit of... Mega Dad's being super positive! <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. Um, Antonio, why don't you start? Because I got I can't follow the the three prong. All right, su- su- super positives. Um, you know, like guys around the country have begun to speak again because football season is upon us. So I went to the hospital, really sick. Yeah, we go into the X-ray room, and there's just like you know ten people standing around just talking about quarterbacks, and then. Go to the grocery store, or whatever. Yeah, walk, man, walk in. Life is in the in the <laughs> ER. They're che- Two points. <laughs> There's people in the grocery store. You know, old lady. You know, just get get in the soup cans, and she's like, turns to me, and she's like, "So, what do you think about the starting line? Like, what do you, <laughs> should, you know, who should like, I put in my fantasy lineup? <laughs> it's like that linebacker's a beast. You know, like it's just it's football season is upon us, which is exciting, and it's the talk of the town. We have finally something to to get riled up about week in and week out. So I enjoy football a lot more, you know, as I grow older and appreciate the strategy of the game. So it's just like it's it's great. Football also, season. Also as you get older, you appreciate sitting on the couch more. Oh yeah. So like you both awesome. understand the game more and you're way more fucking lazy as you get <laughs> old. So it's really just like we're as men, we are destined to enjoy yeah, a good it's, Sunday. It's it's a chicken and the egg situation. Do you understand football more because you're more comfortable on the couch and you just don't move <laughs> when the football's on and you just kind of pick it up? Or is that what keeps you there? I, I thought you said it's a chicken and the egg situation. He's like, it's a chicken and the egg that. situation, but to eat them, like like oh it's that type of situation where you have to eat chicken and eggs I'm like, i am actually gonna have chicken tomorrow during the game 
making we're making chicken drummies. This is gonna be delicious. Nice, nice chicken and egg sandwich. Well, what are you excited about? What's got you feeling good? Oh, Come yeah. on, man, bring it. Um, Make something up if you can't get there naturally. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I guess what's got me feeling good? Football is back, but like I'm still in this place with football where like you know I, I enjoy watching it from time to time but I no longer need to get emotionally invested in how my team is doing Wow! they won two more Super Bowls than I ever expected to see them win Rub and from here it's it's just it's just whatever it happens nice, nice. I've watched that team suck ass for <laughs> 98% of my life to this point they got two, and I'm just, I'm great. It's fine. They lost. I don't care. <laughs> the thrill is gone. I, you got, I got mine. I got, got mine. It's just gravy from this point. I don't have time to be emotionally invested in football. Yep. And and that's liberating. Good. God, that must feel so damn good. As a Vikings fan, I'm just destined <laughs> to suffer forever. <laughs> Look, if, if we can do it, you can do it. Just wait. Just wait until one of these college QBs looks really, really good. Absolutely tank. Suck ass bottom. Race to the bottom. Pick him up. And then who knows? Maybe. <laughs> and then you have to pay him half a billion dollars. And then you don't have money for the rest of the team. But that's okay. Because you won two more than you thought you would. I love the sports talk. This is great. This is what I'm talking about. We so finally have some positive is football too, or the lack of interest no, in football. <laughs> it, it, it's it's the lack of investment. I can yeah. watch it without the downside. Yeah, it's super right. positive. He's content. <laughs> there we go. Super intense. <laughs> super okay with this situation. <laughs> Look, that's the best I can do right now. All yeah. Right, all right. Oh wait, no, no, no. I have a better one. I have a better. All right. One. I've it seen. <laughs> I've just uh, I've seen some clips that came out of a deposition with the My Pillow guy. Oh my god! What? Really? You got to send yeah. me a URL. Oh yeah, no, I absolutely will. Was he insane? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And this lawyer who is trying to trying to ask him these questions for a deposition, you can just hear him die inside <laughs> as <laughs> as this man just absolutely refuses to answer any question. He takes a moment and he talks shit about the judge and he's like, I want that on the record so that they can read that. You let me worry about what the judge thinks of me. Oh um, my God. At one point, I don't remember how I don't remember how we got to this point. I haven't watched the whole thing because I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the lawyer says the words lumpy pillow. And that sets him off. <laughs> he's like, he starts to answer the question. You're an asshole. You know that they're not calling me over lumpy. But you're an asshole. Wow. And starts defending his pillows and just <laughs> fervent defense of the my pillow. Of the my huh? pillow. Yeah, yeah. He... Um, and that's fun to watch. Please that's share that with watch. me as soon as possible. I will share that with you when we're that out. sounds hilarious. He's like, how dare you insult my shitty my, pillow. my pillows. <laughs> Yeah, my my oh my, my god, this <laughs> what uh, called him an ambulance chasing scumbag, <laughs> and said put that in the record, S C U M bag. 
because scum is is the difficult part of yeah i don't like he, he quit on the spelling like he quit on the first. spelling yeah he started spelling it and then stopped oh my this god this is gonna good. be great oh my god yeah he's he's fucking crazy and that's that's fun we should review this. So Mega Dad's review. The Mega Dad's my review pillow guy. My pillow guy. <laughs> Man, this is the weirdest episode probably ever. My right. God. This is good. This is good. All right. My super positive. I'm going to use that to kind of lead into uh, further discussions is I got out into the world in a great way. I spent two weekends back to back at conventions. I went to TutiCon which is local here uh, in the Twin Cities area. If you are listening and you are new from the 2D Con, a new community member, thank you for a great time. I did a live show uh, for the first time ever by myself, uh, and it was great. It went very well. Uh, we just winged it and had a great time. There was a big um, dildo on the table for the whole show that was provided by provided by Luke number two from our Mega Dads community. He brought this big uh, dildo dinosaur thing that he won. Uh, we made that, it had to be there, had to be there. <laughs> he won a tournament, he won a Cards Against Humanity tournament. And the trophy was a sculpture that was a penis with dinosaur legs and a dinosaur tail. It was, imagine, uh, like, imagine like a okay. T-Rex, but it's, but it's like 75% dong. Uh, okay. So we had that as kind of like our official show mascot. Had all sorts of great uh, interaction with random strangers that I brought up on stage to, to help me co-host the show. It was great. I had a great time. Um, Do you still have the dildo dinosaur? I didn't get to keep it. Okay, it was bet, not a donation. It was just a. It was a Lynn situation. It was. It was a loan. Yeah, I had okay. to give it back a, when a I was done with prop. it. Prop. Nice. <laughs> a prop. Yeah, a prop. Um, That's probably for the best. And then after that, I went with my family to Seattle to PAX West and Nintendo Live, which <gasps> was a great experience. I'm going to be talking about some of the games that I played there in our press start segment. But I wanted to take a minute just to kind of talk about uh, my experience at PAX West and Nintendo Live kind of in general. You can see a lot of this stuff on the YouTube channel. Uh, if you are listening to this in audio format, go to youtube.com slash Megadeth because there's all sorts of uh, footage and there will be this week as well because I saw a lot of stuff. Um, I stayed in the same hotel as Justin Masson from the Nintendo Dads. So when he flew in, we spent uh, Thursday night down at the bar drinking and just having some great conversations from the perspective of two guys who have been in this media space for 10 years now um, and just kind of like, you know, honest, frank conversations about how we feel 10 years in and where we're going and where we've been. I mean, you guys have been in this community for a long time as well. You know all the faces and the names that have come and gone. And some people still are sticking with the game and some people have, you know, moved on to other things and different places. And it's just nice to be able to connect. Justin was like the first guy that I really connected with when joining when creating this podcast i reached out to the nintendo dads and i've quote unquote known him for 10 years but i'd never met the guy yeah. so that was a really cool opportunity <laughs> to kind of explore a little bit of the pax floor we went to uh after after hours off-site thing called the mix which was held in like kind of like a, a bar 
a few blocks away from PAX and it was two levels of indie games and they had Whoa. free drinks and free food. They gave us tacos, which anybody wants to put a taco in my mouth. That's, that's a win, right? It was just kind of cool. You know, I, I was planning on going to E3 this year and obviously that didn't work out. That got canceled. So I made it a point to do this event and I really enjoyed it. It's, it's, it is it's E3 light, right? Like there's not a lot of the big third parties there. Obviously there's no PlayStation official representation. There's no Xbox official representation, but we saw a lot played a lot and I got to do it with my entire family because PAX unlike E3 uh, there's no like age restrictions so I was able to bring my kids uh, and Elliot and Nora got to demo games uh, we got to talk with developers it was super cool so it was kind of like an E3 experience but I got to bring the entire family along for the whole ride and it was great it Nintendo looks Live was Nintendo yeah. Live was amazing um, it was kind of like almost like a carnival, right? They, they had they had a lot of games that are already out. So they had, you know, Splatoon and uh, Pikmin 4, which I hadn't played, but you know, those are games that have been released. Um, but they had so many uh, like photo opportunities and sets, like you got to walk through an Animal oh, Crossing village. That's and awesome. They had the van from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, all sorts of characters walking around. They had like Kirby and Pikachu and got to see the Master Sword and that that big Zelda statue that everybody's seen you know a million Sweet. times on social that was there yeah um, but the big the big thing and I'll talk about it later was was the surprise that Mario Wonder was there because that was not announced in advance that they were going to have Mario Wonder playable Sweet. all the games that they had said that were going to be there were games that were already released so the day before while I was at PAX I got a text from Justin saying that Mario Wonder was there and all of a sudden it was like my my focus just went to the next day. I got to get <laughs> to Mario Wonder, right? And I'll talk about that experience um, when we talk about what we've been playing, but I just really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a great time. I think next year uh, it's kind of a lock for me that I will be going back and I hope I would like to organize and orchestrate some sort of community meetup. Uh, I've already talked with some of the other Nintendo dads because, you know, they heard Justin's stories and they're interested in going. They're also going to be celebrating their 10 year next year. Whoa. So oh. wouldn't it be cool to have some sort of Nintendo dads, mega dads, 10 year meetup thing in Seattle, get community members in, get some of the hosts in. I think it would be, a, I think it would be outstanding. So I have a question. Yeah. What's Nintendo dads? Oh, it's like this only <clears throat> not as good. Ah. Uh. No, Justin's good people. I, Justin those, is fantastic. Those are, those are great guys. I like all the videos that you came away with that posted on the YouTube. Um, it was, it looks awesome. And I want to have that experience where you're just like in the culture. It's like market to me. You know what I mean? Give me that statue. Give me that like photo opportunity and, you know, the ability to go to hands on just the big displays and all that. Like, yeah, I love it. It's like. It's it, it's like Disneyland, you know. You go and you have the characters walking around. Like I, I'd love to experience that. What kind of crowds are there? Because with traditional E3 back in the day when it was in person, one of the big criticisms were okay, you wait to play games and you're waiting hours and hours and hours. So you could like you could play like three things a day and all sorts of weirdness. So what are the crowds like? What kind of uh, hands-on wait time do you have for things like that? Like how long is Wonder? 
You know, it's, well, <laughs> the funny thing about Wonder, I'll start right there, is I knew it was there. So as soon as we walked in the door, oh, I looked nice. at my wife and my kids. I'm like, we are beelining it to Mario Wonder. I don't care what you see along the way, because it was all the way in the back. Right. It was like, <laughs> it was the last thing there. I'm like, we're going straight there right now. Haul ass. Because I, for long time listeners or viewers, have this notorious story where I waited four hours to play Mario Odyssey at E3. And then I got out of line because I only made it halfway. And it dawned on me that like, this will be my entire day if I stay here. One game. So I am expecting that kind of thing here. The thing with Nintendo Live is you couldn't buy tickets. You had to win them in some sort of raffle or you got in on media access, which is how we got in. Um, the line to play Mario was about 10 minutes. And the entire day I could have gone back at any point and replayed it because the line never got any bigger than that. They wow. had this big snaking rope but they had so many terminals and they were it's a four player game. Okay. Right. So they're stacking people up for per terminal and with the the cap on the attendance in that thing you it was big and there was so much to do but you were you weren't like butted up against people. The crowd was so well maintained. Okay, well, hang on. Are you, you're trying to tell me that Nintendo anticipated and accommodated demand? The, the biggest line that there ever was was to like get your photo taken with some of the characters that is that is not that is not what Nintendo does with high demand situations it was wild because they had the space and you could tell they were expecting to have huge lines but you would just like and then you'd go all the way to the front and you'd wait 10 minutes and you'd play the game Almost went back and played more, but there was so much to see. We spent literally the entire time. We, it opened at 10, it closed at 6. We were there the whole time, and I didn't even get to see everything. What are you going to tell just... me next? Like, Nintendo's going to release a high-powered console with advanced <laughs> graphical capabilities? Come on. <laughs> but doesn't sound honestly, like Nintendo that, was, at all. that was kind of the experience with PAX in general. Is I don't think I waited in line for anything for more than... 25, 30 minutes. Sounds like a great um, experience. It really was. And I had some appointments, so some of the things I was able to just walk up to, but it was way less busy and and organized and spaced out. The convention center in Seattle is like four levels and multiple buildings. Sweet. So it's all spread out so much that nothing felt cluttered. You never felt like, oh my God, there are so many people here. I can't even breathe. It was very easy to move around in. I didn't lose any of my kids. So it was just a, a very a easy plus. to navigate experience. My wife was concerned that it wouldn't be child friendly. Tons of kids there. And my kids loved it. Um, nice. Absolutely great. Yeah. A lot a lot more uh, coming from E3. I've done E3 twice. And that was like the opposite where it was just like pure chaos unorganized everybody's crammed in like sardines in a can so it was nice it was nice the only downfall is that you know like i said there's no playstation or xbox so it's like a lot of indies and third party stuff with a smaller presence like ubisoft was there with one game square enix was there with like three games three or four games so it's a reduced footprint but it was a great experience i felt like i saw everything i wanted to in one day 
Dope. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Well, let's start. Let's move on. We're gonna. We're just gonna skip the dictionary this month. You know what? Oh, I got a yeah. word. Let's just skip it. We got so yeah. much to talk about. Out of curiosity, what, what was it? Out of curiosity. Uh, when I when. Okay, I'm so glad that we're skipping this. Come yeah. On. Okay. So let's talk about some games. We're gonna, we're gonna start, Antonio. We're gonna start with you first. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, because you've got like the big game of the talk of the town, shall yes. we say? Yes. Uh, let's start talking about Starfield. Starfield is an adventure RPG developed and published by Bethesda. It's available on PC and the Xbox platforms. This is the biggin'. This is the yes. one that everybody has been waiting for. It's the it's the is this Xbox's game of the year this year? Uh, is this going to be their big comeback game this year? And then you know, and it's like their Redfall and their Halo, and then well, this is just like their game this year, right? <laughs> this is yeah. their game like, this year. So was so it worth kind it? of by default? It's their big game, also. A lot was riding on Starfield. The hype level was through the roof. You had multiple delays, the first new IP from Bethesda in decade, and it's just, it delivers. The game is incredibly addicting, which is the mark of a good game. Uh, We have our Starfield Explorers limited series little mini podcast that we're doing where we're just taking the game, one aspect of it, discussing it, breaking it down and getting hyped and you can find that on the mega dad's youtube and we're have a podcast feed as well so just search for starfield explorers if you want to listen to that and it's it's really fantastic i think that for anyone who was going in hoping for just a bethesda game give me an rpg that's deep that has a lot of uh choice where I can have very interesting side quests that take me down a rabbit hole that leads to another thing that was unexpected. Um, I think what was most surprising to me is how beautiful the game is. Bethesda Games and Jank and the engine are not known to be the best. Usually they'll be uh, like in the case of Fallout 4, like an upgrade later, you know? like Real quick, what are you playing it on? I played it on the PC uh, with okay. a, uh, I don't even, I forget what, what this is, but it's it's a mid, mid-end mid uh, GPU. Just say some numbers. Yep. Yeah, it's an XPL Q1. Uh, so it's a mid-range PC and then also on the Xbox Series X. But I've also played via cloud streaming on my Steam Deck there is a way to use Xbox um, Cloud via, you know, tablet, phone, or on the Steam Deck and running it in a browser. And it is surprisingly great performance on the Steam Deck playing on Cloud. And that beauty I'm talking about is actually still there. Like the stars are shining, the, the, the spaceship is like releasing steam as it's parked and like all sorts of stuff like that. It's... It's very surprising how beautiful the game is. It's a Bethesda game that delivers Bethesda. You know, just everything that you would expect. And that's really what I was hoping for. Um, The big controversy is this idea of what was promised Skyrim in space. I went in saying that 
it's not possible to do Skyrim in space because the beauty of that game is you would just wander in an overworld and and you'd go through like a forest which leads to a cave which leads to the next you know town and and it was a a game that was always unwinding itself you you walk around but in the nature of a space opera it's okay a location on a planet and obviously even if you're going somewhere else on that planet there's a lot of space in between and then you have hubs but thousands of planets how do you get there like how much of it is full are and there thousands of planets in the game? There's a thousand planets, yes. If okay. you zoom out of the map, and you can do this at the beginning of the game, which I thought was surprising, but it also makes sense. It's like this is available to go to once you upgrade your ship and once you level up so you don't die immediately when you get there. But <laughs> you zoom out and you, you see the whole star map, and it looks like these little white, red, like depending on, you know, which way you're looking at it it's just absolutely amazing the scale and then you click in and that star that you've clicked on become you see the star system so you'll see soul which is our sun and then all of our planets uh and they threw threw pluto in there thank god you know represent um so so it's (laughs) you start on earth no, it's oh. it's it's funny to say like near Earth because it's another star system like halfway oh. around the galaxy, but it's also accessible. But you can look at other places and you could say, let me just peek at that star and then you could see it. And then that star system comes up and then you zoom into the planet and it looks fantastic. The sun mm. is just burning in front of you with such vibrance. And then you go to the planet and you see the moons like it's weird how well it works where I feel like I'm looking not at a map, but it's like a representation of, of the, the area and you can spin the map and like zoom in. And I stuff. believe that is the definition of a map. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm fascinated. But um, it's not necessarily locations you can go to. Right. Okay. So it's not, there's, so is it like quick travel then to go to a place that you can go to? Absolutely. So whereas No Man's Sky, you literally travel from orbit all the way down to a planet um, and then can fly all the way around it and land anywhere. There are predetermined areas that are hubs. So when you go to a planet, it'll be on the map. It'll say, "Okay, let's land here. And there'll be a fairly nice cut scene like a loading thing. And then you your ship will land it looks fantastic but it's still a cutscene. it's not like a real-time transfer which is i think that's okay i think a lot of people have problem with that i think that i think if you're gonna create an rpg with a guided narrative or a loosely guided narrative you can't do no man's sky because so much of no man's sky was nothing Right, I I played No Man. I love No Man's Sky. I played a lot of No Man's Sky, but so much of that experience was, I'm going to this planet. I'm flying there. I'm going into orbit. I'm gonna land. Oh, there's like fucking nothing here, right? Like, and they they can't it's, populate every planet. So I think that's okay. I know a lot of people have issue with that, but I think that's okay. So what they do is they'll if you do land on a planet, you can go to different areas. And it will create like a very large instance like bubble around you. And then eventually, if you just keep going where you landed, you'll hit a a wall. So it's like almost like 
the procedural generation helps you go anywhere but it's like an oh it is it's an, it's an illusion right so yes there are a lot of this is procedurally generated and the the other surprising thing is if you go to xyz planet every place i've been to is remarkably different like the idea of a biome yeah. and like the colors and the 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 rock formations and the color of the sky and just the weather effects there's day night cycles going on so i would be on the same planet at different times of day and it would look radically different then you go to another planet another location and it's just so beautiful and well thought out and and it feels like so real because of the care that was put probably into the fine tuning of some of this procedural generation so it is impressive if you play something like a no man's sky you'll go to a planet and it you can kind of see behind the veil of like what's being randomized in the colors yeah. palette but this every is, once in a while you'll find something really cool but a right. lot of times it's like it's just barren yeah. so the it's impossible in my opinion to make a space game that's grounded in reality where you're saying okay well let's let's have you um travel and have real world time pass just so you could feel that scope of traveling through the stars um or you can gamify it and say you know what let's skip the boring parts and what right. this game does is give you more and more exciting things to do when you get there and hoping that that's enough for you and if it is like for me I feel like my time isn't being wasted. I'm just doing something, doing something, doing something instead of waiting. Some of the larger hubs and walking around still exists, but you have a booster like rocket pack and the gravity on different planets varies. So you can like jump in a spacesuit and just like hover and then like use your jetpack to like boost up and you can like do some like awesome traversal and it's like a playground it's so fun every planet will have a different gravity and then then the next planet you can't do that because it's like heavy gravity there and it just it's it's pretty mind-boggling what they've delivered amazing Storyline. weapons the the story main quest you should do it as it unlocks like different gameplay aspects and it's fairly well written um but then the the quality varies it, yeah. it varies you go to a side quest and it's like this voice actor just it's just the tone is off it's not as interesting so there's like, it's a bethesda game yeah there's amazing parts and then there's so so parts. and then you have to talk to a person it's a it's a <laughs> lot of talking to people and like I think it's a little bit antiquated how you speak to someone, then you have the dialogue choices, and you play them all out. You gather more information or less. Very light role playing based on the background you've chosen. So that part, I don't know, it doesn't feel as good. But some of the voice acted characters, they the faces look, I would say, like ten times better, like like fantastic for some of the people you're talking to compared to what it was, which was dog crap. Because right. Bethesda characters, like, their they still, NPCs look like trash. For me, they still have that just kind of dead-eyed, complete and total Some focus do. on you. The head Absolutely. moves, but nothing else really does. They, they, yeah, it's like, hello. Body language isn't that, like, abstract a concept. <laughs> or, or just, like, we don't just wiggle our heads around while we talk to people and maintain eye contact at all times. Yep. But yep. that that is, that that's what Bethesda does. 
yeah. It's definitely Bethesda the way they, they clearly work. have no interest in going beyond that. And I guess that's okay. Uh the combat's fantastic, surprisingly, because it hasn't been known for uh fun combat. There's varied weapons that are fun to use and systems upon systems, and it has that just one more level. Let me just get one more skill unlock. Let me just like find this next thing let me get better loot let me just like the the threads are there to keep pulling you and pulling you uh, my brother tried this playing on xbox one where you can only play via x cloud like using yeah. uh that and is loving it played eight hours straight like when i booted it up same thing it's hard to put down it's really hard to put down which i think is a mark of a great game so i my I don't have a lot of experience with Bethesda, but with Bethesda games, like Skyrim was my first one, and I, like everybody, absolutely adored it. Like I played the shit out of Skyrim, loved it. Uh, Fallout Four followed, and I was like, "Well, I loved Skyrim. I'm gonna play this." Hated Fallout Four, like I hated that game. So those are my two experiences with it. Um, mostly my my dislike of fallout was just the like the world didn't feel good you know like it just it, i felt like it was saturated and just kind of like there's big bugs and grotesque animals like it didn't feel as cool to explore as skyrim skyrim was just like the world was pure wonder mm -hmm. um and i imagine Star starfield is gonna give me more of a feeling like that because there are so many different worlds and a lot more rewarding exploration whereas fallout i felt like everything just looked the same and, and i didn't i didn't feel uh encouraged to really explore anymore once i once i saw what was on offer i didn't like it and i never got anything more the more i played you know what i mean yeah i feel like starfield would be like even if i don't like a specific area the next one's gonna be vastly different probably yeah. speak to somebody like me more right the, it's such a weird thing because the setting is going to dictate a lot of, you know, your enjoyment. So if you're into space, you know, if you're into you know, that whole genre, then, yeah, you're going to like it. But it's so different from the fantasy of, right. you know, Skyrim and, you know, goblins or whatever, you know, like dragons and stuff. It's just it's not that. Do you um, feel rewarded, though, exploring more? Yes. Do, do, does each does each planet like offer more or is it like is your is your is the carrot getting to the next planet i guess is the question i think it's getting to the next one because it's yeah. like it's it's fun while you're there but again they can only invest so many resources okay. into the place so it does okay so you scale back your vision so when you land on a planet it's striking right and then they have the set piece and you don't really know where to go they famously now have like lack of a map system so they really want you to learn the lay of the land as you walk around wait that's true there's no correct so when you go somewhere you can fast travel to it but you have to find it first so when i land at a, at a on a planet surface it's like wow right away they hit you with scale and they're like this place let's make it feel alive and visually unique then you start walking around and you feel like how big is this area 
once you spend an hour in it you start to learn the tricks they do a lot of level design where they make it seem bigger than it is they and i think part of the if they were to show you a map i think it would have given away like the fact of you know if you see the whole thing so you like, don't oh, even this area is kind of small as you go uh no so you don't see like if i go somewhere you do not see like the existing hallway that leads to this That's weird the layout of this vendors on this side this is on this side it does let you fast travel once you find it so when you return to that map it'll just have like a list basically and and a rough layout uh, but there's no like topography landmarks none of that is is present on the map system it's very odd and i think it was weird. because you have procedural generation and they say we're either gonna give you a map of the cities but not the planets because they would just be empty and they just said mm. you know what this let's just scrap maps all together we don't need them there's a waypoint system so if you select an objective and you open your scanner you'll see like a path of where you should be going so it's not that you, they don't give you like a leading way to say hey go this way right. if you want it um but they do let you explore the areas and you're not staring at the map saying okay let me just run that way run this way it's like find it like pay attention to the signs look at the paths like figure out like what's the logic behind this world where would the bar be and it surprisingly works that that fades it, it you just start to like play the game and embrace the finding the next thing and then you talk to people and it leads down the rabbit hole to the next quest and it's fine you know i i it doesn't bother me as much once you actually start playing it so let's let's break it down let's let's put a pin in this one was it was it is it the game that you were hoping it, it was going to be and do you think that this is like xbox's big moment that everybody is going to recognize them as having a, a like a four what do they call it quadruple a yeah is that what xbox's thing is like is this their thing now it, is this a, it it's a great game it's not gonna like save the the entire xbox ecosystem it's not that groundbreaking it's really not it's not that uh that unique um i think it's just a great game and it's not gonna make it's selling systems you know which is great oh uh, there i think they said like the xbox sales went up a thousand percent but when you start so low you know <laughs> of course you're gonna have a major increase but i don't <laughs> think it's gonna win over you know people to xbox side because they're like oh you know i really need this this game it's if you like bethesda games then it's absolutely for you game um, of your caliber I, I would give it like an eight or nine like it's it has flaws it, it, yeah. it has flaws i would give it i would give it a solid nine and i've only played like 20 something hours of it you know and you you scratch the surface you just scratch the surface there's so much to the game you can tell um and I'm loving every minute. I think about the game when I'm not playing it. I want to play more. And it's like it has broken the record for the fastest selling uh, Bethesda game, the most successful game. Uh, I think it was like five million players, something like that. I, I look at it. I look at it, and you can give me your thoughts on this one. 
as someone who plays a lot of RPGs and enjoys the hell out of RPGs, Starfield strikes me as a game that has sacrificed quite a bit to get in, in for scope, for having a thousand planets. I, f I just can't help but feel like it could be a tighter RPG experience without a thousand. There's not something to do on all 1,000 of those planets. Like I said, I, I always doubted the doubted what it was going to be like adam put it best he's like is this what you ex wanted and what you expected i expected that they weren't able to accomplish a fun uh video game set with the scope of like ga a galaxy it just it's not right, so it's not possible it? um because it's set in space so the setting demands uh, that you expect that the scope is going to be large because it's set in a galaxy. They've chosen to have it span star, star systems. Should, I wonder. They've I wonder made if... choices that hinder this thing's ability to be like a solid, like an RPG that's tight and not filled with a bunch of empty planet. Like, well, I wonder if a lot of that is expectation and kind of an imprint that we put on it based on what they've done before and that's you know that's their dna that's what they do they always do the, the one thing i wonder if i i personally can't speak to this because i don't follow this game like i don't know how they've been messaging it but i think like it's okay for them to build a game that has ship combat and ship building which it, that's something mm -hmm. different than like yeah. what they, you know, like maybe maybe we're looking at it through a skewed lens because we're expecting it to be, and every I think everybody was expecting it to be Skyrim in space, like that's the messaging, right? Whereas like I think it's okay to take a game like this on its as as what it is and not what we were expecting it to be, and I think you can both be right about the fact that like. Yeah, it's not going to be a very tight RPG experience. Maybe that's just not what they wanted to do. Well, so and then what have, are they doing? Have, <laughs> you can still have a fun game that that is more about the action and the the discovery of a new planet and the ship combat, and maybe it is less of an RPG. So, um, but that what, doesn't necessarily mean it's bad right so the, the game was marketed in very poorly i think somewhat deceptively because what happened is they said it's skyrim in space and it's not because they have this space setting and they say okay what do people want what's the vision and they're like well it should be about exploration and and scope right and that's the whole thing and they said it was going to be about that and they deliver that in a gamified way so the procedural generation the planets are there but you're not intended to like there's the way that they decided to accomplish creating a tight game because it is a tight game is they have you fast travel from here to there to the planet and it's not you, a full planet yeah like you can like walk around planet you can walk around and do nothing on these empty planets if you want to but in my experience, I've done that a few times. It's like, oh, let me go walk and find something. And there'll be sparsely like an abandoned a factory here or whatever. But it's, it's a whole lot of, of nothing. But they say, hey, 
we intend for you to get in the ship and go do something. We intend to have you do the next quest. We have a marker on a planet that says, okay, go there and we can get you there quickly. So you're always discovering something and, and in the action. So it is a very tight RPG. And that's what's upsetting people because they're like, there's no scope here. You're getting me to the next thing. And I see the, the loading screen and I see the fast travel and the fast travels overused. And you're just putting me in the next area. And it doesn't feel like the scope is a, fa is a facade. And it's, it's, there's pockets of densely packed things to do in the cities and on certain locations in the planets. But the scope is, it's fake. You know what I mean? In a lot of ways, it's there, but you don't spend any time in the. It's there, but state. not in a way that enhances anything. I think it's. I'd just be very expected. curious to hear your thoughts on this game in like a couple of months. Yeah. You know, after you've explored more, and like, I, and and you can see like the rough edges a little bit more because yeah. it's it's hard to, it's hard to gauge a game like this that's so much about scope and exploration when you haven't seen everything yet. Yep. So. We'll, we'll revisit this game. We'll it's come a, back. It's a big it. game. People are going to be playing it for years and having a good time with it. I mean, it's not everything that was marketed. So go in with the right expectations and you will have a good time. Let me, it's let, me ask, let me ask you this and mm -hmm. Starfield adjacent, but Xbox as a whole. Yes. They're in a, are they in a bad spot where like every time they have a big, highly anticipated game, they have to... I feel like this is exactly what happened with Halo. Like there was so much expectation on Halo and there were so many promises around Halo, a lot of which they ended up walking back. Yeah. It was yeah. a fail. Is it impossible to satisfy areas. these people that are just waiting for that AAA Xbox game? Because no matter what they deliver, they have to spotlight okay. it. Like it's the like it's the second coming of Christ, but then you're never going to satisfy everybody when you hype a game in that way. Like Starfield is that. Every all eyes were on Starfield. So I feel like no matter what it did, the ambition like, of this win. Yeah, the ambition of the game is its downfall because like Wills keeps saying, why? Why? And it's because of the the original vision. It's like, can we make a RPG uh that's set in the vastness of a galaxy? And they said, let's try it. Like that is a huge undertaking. I knew they wouldn't be able to truly do it. Because if you're very realistic with it, it's boring. And if you gamify it, then you have to, you're marketing to people who've played something like a No Man's Sky and you have to explain to them, yeah, it's a space epic, but it doesn't have this insane, uh, insane like vastness where you can go from one planet surface to another with no loading screens. That was a revolution. It was, it was a way to do space travel that was, amazing right and no man's sky had that as its core not gimmick but its core selling point and it was fascinating to everyone who tried it for the first time you're like wow we can do this in gaming but starfield went another way and they say we're not going to do that for whatever reason we can't you know they didn't think about it at the time they'd rather not have that whatever reason it's too hard but they said we're gonna take this approach fast travel to points the planets are there so don't you feel like it's big? The map is what it is. There's all these things, but we're not going to have you fly for two hours to go from one planet to another. All I have to say is that with like Halo and then Redfall 
and then this. Trackball like, was I, atrocious. I I just pray to God that the people who are making Fable, like, just don't show it. Just fucking uh, hi-fi rush it. Just just release it when just it's done it and let people yeah. play the damn thing. And, like, I just it's, feel like it's, expectations it's are set so high for so many of these oh, yeah. games. And they, but they play a part in setting those expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. They they like, were they were touting this, you know. They were touting this as the next yeah second coming man. They were like this like is fable. It. it it's not as much as don't show it. Be honest about it, and it would be a huge plus if it was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, because like you know, Redfall in that example is is not. Um, the, the bar is so high that a game from Xbox people are expecting like, can we get something with like. We're we're only talking about the good stuff and like that we're not just like have fl- flaws that are like really derailing the experience for a lot of people. A God of War and a Last of Us and like it had flaws, but the incredible, the most incredible experience of it is if you start talking to somebody about it, they like start gushing and th- like nothing comes up. Then you start talking about well. There are, you know, these hidden loading screens or it's a little janky in these parts, and, you know, but something that was really, really going to blow people away uh, where it's going to be a 10 across the board. It wasn't. It was a nine. It was an eight. Um, it wasn't a seven or a five. And we talk about that on the Starfield Explorers <laughs> podcast. There are some people there's review bombing. There are people okay. who are being it's disingenuous. Seven is still good. No, well, seven is not dog shit. It is like if you what I say is if you're going to if you're going to score it, then have it make sense according to your scale. Like if I look at a seven you've given to a game and then I played it myself and I'm like, you're not being true to your own scale. The things that you mention as pros and cons do not amount to an, an average or good game. It's still an excellent game. You're, you're really inflating some of the things that are quote unquote wrong with it. And your seven, you gave this game. Well, that's the subjectivity of it, right? Like things may be a problem for the reviewer, but not for you. And if we have this discussion, I will kill myself on camera. So we need to move on. <laughs> All right, we're here to move on. We're gonna let Will talk about his game. Uh, it is a new RPG that is available, I think, on everything. It's called Sea of Stars. Yeah. Sea of Stars is an RPG developed and published by Sabotage Studio, and it's available, like I said, on everything. I downloaded it on my PS5, have not yet started it. Will, talk to me about Sea of Stars. Sea of Stars is an RPG, and it's really going after that kind of like late Super Nintendo PS1 era of JRPG. It's it's got pixel art, but it's very high-res pixel art. It's not going in the direction of, like, an Octopath Traveler or something like that. The characters are a little more fleshed out than that. Um, and it is doing the best job at, like, capturing all the good parts of that era of JRPG and rounding off a lot of the rougher edges that wouldn't hold up, say, today. 20-odd years later. 30-odd years later. Oh, God. So yeah. fucking old. I know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, 
So it's got the thing in combat where you can time some button presses and get better attacks or better defenses. But the game goes out of its way when it's telling you that these systems exist, that it's like, but you're going to be okay if you can't do this. Think of these as bonuses, not requirements. It, every regular melee attack you do gives you back some MP. So they're like, if you're doing normal attacks, it tells you. This this old man tells you this. Like, if you're doing normal attacks with full MP, why? <laughs> Don't do that. Use your skills, please. Use your skills. You'll get them back. Just, just use them. It's it's doing so much to be like, you don't need to save the cool stuff for later. You can do the cool stuff on a pretty regular basis. And so far, I've found that to be true. Um, if you like Chrono Trigger, the battle system reminds me a lot of that. You've got combo attacks with different party members. Um, I've only got three right now. I'm not super far in the game. But like I've got one where I can take uh, one of my party members will build up this big fireball and he'll shoot it at this other guy who breaks it on his shield and breaks into like eight pieces and hits everybody on the field and it's awesome. <laughs> it's got a lot of those attacks. I'm super impressed with the ones I have this early. I'm excited to see the ones I'm going to get later. Um, it's got... Let's see. I've done one, I guess you could call it a dungeon for lack of a better term. I've done one proper enter there's a problem solve all the puzzles and things and I thought it was outstanding I thought it was outstanding it set up kind of the expectation of what I'll eventually do in this space once I got the tool that I needed to start moving blocks around one I didn't have to push them like one square at a time <laughs> <laughs> you, you push the button and it goes all the way to the end of whatever zone it's in and that adds to the puzzle layer of it it's not just move block i need to get this block over there on the switch it's i'm going to have to move it in a specific way to kind of get it over there and i feel like that's more interesting than just moving a block one space at a time uh let's see you make your healing items there's cooking at the campsites Sweet. that you can do Love campsites it. are numerous and ingredients are plentiful, and you can take those and make a certain number of healing items. So like, I'm not even spending money on that. I could, I'm saving my money for equipment. And there are a lot of accessories that can further round down some of these more difficult aspects. Like I've got one that it'll put up, it'll, uh, when you get it right, when you get the timing right, a little star shows up to kind of help you, give you an extra input that says, or um, an extra signal that you did it right. You did the thing. Uh, I picked one up the other, I picked one up yesterday that said um, every once in a while, it, the defense, the press a button to defend a little better, it'll just do that for you a certain percentage of the time. Mm. And it, it, it markets it in its own description as like, you can still do it on your own. This is just going to help you. It's like, this is support it's not going to do it for you but you'll take fewer hits fewer full force hits than you would otherwise i don't remember what a lot of the other ones are i'm still picking them up and i'm finding more of them at stores that'll automate some of these i guess more reflex or mechanically complex systems sounds like final fantasy 16 a little bit 
A little bit. A little bit. I would say that there's a lot more in between to these, which is good. It's it's not equip this to do this for you all the time. Okay. Or change this in this huge way. It, it's kind of like an in-between, and I think that that's a little bit better. Um, but that's subjective. If you need more, more is good. But it also, like I said, it goes out of the way where it's like, this: you are going to be able to finish this game without doing these time button presses. If you really want to stick it out and you just suck ass the whole time, <laughs> you can still get there. Uh, when a party member gets knocked out, after a couple of turns, they're back up at 50% health. You can you can use items to bring them back, but if you don't, and you need to focus on, say, healing the people you've got left because now the four monsters are hitting them, that's okay. They'll be up in a second. It's not a game over until everybody's down. And uh, that hasn't happened to me yet, so I can't really speak to that. Um... I really, I'm really liking it. This is doing an excellent job at being. It's a little soon to call it like the apex of this kind of game, but it certainly is from like a present a presentation and mechanical standpoint. Um, the story, I'm still not quite sure what's going on. I know where I'm supposed to go, why I'm supposed to go there, but it's done that thing where it's planted those little seeds of doubt that like this is. Mm, I don't know that this is going to be good when we get there. <laughs> mm -hmm. As a fan of those types of characters games, I absolutely and stuff or hmm? shadowy characters and storylines happening in the background kind of thing or there are some shadowy characters but there's been a couple of mentors that are off to the side and they're just having this conversation amongst themselves where they're like are you okay with this? And it's like not really but we can't do anything about it right now. And hmm. Yeah, I haven't got to that part of it yet, but you know, yeah, I've had a I've had a cutaway to the shadow cabal of masked people talking yeah. around a cauldron. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that is like the least interesting part of it cuz I don't even know what you guys are yet. Yeah. Yeah, you're menacing. I get it. I kind of feel like there may be an institutional problem in what I'm doing. <laughs> There's an eeriness to everything, like something's a off little bit, here. Yeah. Which, Are you playing it too, Antonio? Yeah, I've played it and only you know a couple hours, but fantastic looking, fa amazing soundtrack. The story oh, it sounds so good. The story is just like something's not right here, and it's like beautiful, you know, like very vibrant. Um, but then the story is like a little dark. It's it's really weird, and uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it it pulled me in. Is the game because I haven't played it as much as you have? Is it too easy? Because based on what you're saying, it has a lot of optional assists. So you haven't game over. You know, like you haven't had your whole party die. So is it? Do you yeah. find it challenging at all? Um, or is that not really important because it's about the journey, not the challenge? It it certainly you know the journey is the most important part of it. Mm -hmm. But just because I haven't game over, like, I've still had people go down. Right. I've still had party members, you know, fall in battle. And I certainly haven't gotten far enough for anything to be challenging, mm -hmm. even for this kind of game. Like, I've done a couple boss fights. But this game hasn't, you know, it's it's got the kid gloves on a little bit still, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say, while I haven't had a particularly difficult time with it, it's been a very satisfying experience to get those extra hits in and stuff like that. Uh, and it's got this lock system 
where every once in a while an enemy is like, it's a way of saying this guy's going to do a big attack and he'll have some symbols pop up under a thing and there's like a hammer for blunt damage, a sword for sword damage and elemental symbols. If you can hit them with attacks that meet those criteria, you'll slowly start to break it and the attack will be weaker when it hits or if you can break all of them, it's skipped entirely. Nice. That's fun. It is. It is. It's a lot of fun. I haven't broken it all the way as often as I thought I would this early, but I kind of think I'm playing with three pl- three characters in what I suspect will be four oh, kind right. of in the okay. battle party, so I don't think I have quite as much going on. Um, that's been a lot of fun to play with. It's been very satisfying to do. Oh, and the characters, if they do, if they're KO'd at the end of the fight, they still get XP. Nice. All the characters are on the same XP meter. It helps. Which helps, yeah. Um, just at the top, it's like, this is how much until everybody levels up again. And it just rolls down. Talk to me about like the characters themselves. I know you said that the writing is kind of, like the storyline is, you're not quite sure yet. But like I think a lot of these games, especially that are channeling that era, like we think about those classic RPGs and we think of those the characters, characters okay. those iconic characters. How are the characters in this? So far, they're all right. Um, we've got Valir and I think Zale as the two main characters. You can pick which one leads the party. It it doesn't matter, and you can change it whenever you want. They're what's called what the game calls Solstice Warriors. Zale was born on the summer solstice, Valir on the winter. So Zale has some sun powers. You know, he's got fireballs. Valir is is the moon. So it's not really an elemental equivalent, but she's got one special, uh, it's called Moonerang. You shoot a little crescent, and if you time your button presses right, you can keep it bouncing between all the enemies until you fuck it up. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to use, but um, they, from a young age, you know, they've got magic. They can do some stuff. They're... They were born on these dates. They are going to be solstice warriors. They are treated as special little childrens. Um, and then you play a little bit of that. Then they're brought up and trained properly, trained all the way through. They're still... They don't really know what's going on yet either. And I haven't played enough with them yet to really kind of... They haven't really come out of their shells yet. No big character moments yet. But then we've got their friend, Garl, who's this he went, little fat kid who became a fat man. And he's he's he calls himself a battle cook. And he is just this bright ray of super willing positivity the whole way through. He's a delight. Nice. He's like, fuck, yes, this is gonna, like you find sons like this is going to be delicious. I'm going to do something rad with this. And <laughs> we get to ta- we get to town and these little mole people are like oh god oh god we're all gonna die we're supposed to we're supposed to be keeping uh these mines clear because the wind blows through the mines and it plays a song that keeps a giant ass dragon asleep we're all gonna die there's a wizard in the mines we're gonna die and garl is like hell yes i want to fight an evil wizard let's help these guys (laughs) See, that's awesome. That sounds like yeah. fantastic characters. So maybe yeah, not Garl, so much the main characters, but they're in I, there. I think the main characters the will will get there. Yeah. 
especially whenever whatever is wrong with this solstice warrior institution comes to light. Wow. And they have to, I, I expect a lot of their growth is going to happen there and how they react to it. Sweet. Right now, Garl is doing a lot of carrying and he he's not going to carry the whole game, but he's doing it for now while these other two characters are still kind of figuring out what's going on. Sweet. And I do love him. His weapon is a pot lid. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like, hitting people with shields or throwing them around. He can heal people. He's got he just reaches in his pack, pulls out an apple, gives him a snack. I like Garl. He's he's a super positive guy and he's carrying it right now. Like I I I helped the mole people. We got on their giant elevator to go down. And he's like, "Oh my god, we're going to a port town. There's going to be a tavern. I got to talk to the chef at the tavern. I got to learn some recipes." He's like, "I cannot wait to get down there." He's the guy who we have a mission. We have a goal. We need to get to an island before the next eclipse. Presumably to kill some sort of horrible being. That's what I've discerned. And we're trying to do it. And Garl is just the bouncing ray of sunshine along the way. And he's... So far, I would say it's pretty good. The writing has been... It's been solid. It's... It's nothing like uh, old school Final Fantasy tier just yet. But I'm still early enough that I don't expect that either we're still world building we're still getting acquainted I'm, I'm happy so far and it has I think there's promise here that the story will be good and the characters will develop in a way that will be satisfying I think this is a debut game for the developer if I'm not mistaken and and these type uh, of no this, this is their first RPG but they oh, made um, something else I can't the messenger Oh right, the messenger. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, and which is a great game. Um, these games are very impressive for what they're delivering. I think the fact that yeah. they can even have word of mouth, um, which I believe it has in such a crowded mm -hmm. field right now, is impressive. The quality of of everything that I've seen with the game is just like rock solid as far as you know what it what it's delivering. The music it cannot be understated. Like it's fantastic. It is, it is entirely too early for me to say this, but if the game keeps at this high level, this is going to be in the discussion for me for a game of the year, I think. Wow. There you go. That's Sea of Stars. Will has one more game that he's going to talk about really quick. I'm super curious to hear <laughs> about Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. Curious slash scared. Let's talk. That's apt. Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis is an RPG gotcha game. Yep, from Square Enix, and it's no. it's on the mobiles. Mm -hmm. uh, no. Tell me how bad this is. Okay, it's it's not. I so far it's not as bad as it could be. You're <laughs> not getting characters out of the gotcha mechanic. It's equipment, uh -huh. and so far it hasn't been a big deal. But, okay, I, I've played a lot of this game. It only came out publicly on the 7th, but I was part of a closed beta test for it. On the 7th. So I've played, yes. <laughs> so I've played quite a bit of it. Now, when they announced this game, it looked like what I would have expected a Final Fantasy VII remake to look like. It's, you know, the same story, the same kind of camera angles, just the characters look nice. <laughs> The characters look good. They don't look like they got Popeye arms. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it is. Sort of. It's got three storylines in it. 
two we've seen before and one we haven't. It doesn't have all of OG Final Fantasy VII yet. I'm not sure where that line is, but I know I'm not earning equipment for anybody past Red 13. Like, it's not even an option. And then it's got Crisis Core, which is just Zack. Feels the least necessary, because that just got a remake. Yeah. That was just a remake. <laughs> And then it's got this other thing. It calls it Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier, but it, which is a game they already put out, but it didn't have a storyline. That was a Battle Royale mobile game that I never played, never got to it. <laughs> Wasn't good. Not surprised by that. I've played all of these a little bit. I haven't unlocked the other, the other two in release yet, but nothing's been different so far. The First Soldier... <sighs> I've yet to get to a part where like something interesting or compelling happens. I'm not sure why we're talking about these people at all. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know that I'll stay with it long enough to get that far. We'll see. It doesn't really even quite deliver wholly on that. This is what I what I expected out of a seven remake. It breaks these things down into chapters and scenes where it, it's rather unfortunate that it starts this way because it sets a weird it sets a higher expectation than you'll have the first one is of course the bombing mission the opening bombing mission reactor eight one i don't remember the number is not the important part and you do you get a little control and you run around in it it's all very familiar there are some chests to open get to the bottom kill the scorpion you're done and it's like good job you aced it. It runs you through a few tutorials for how these other systems work. And then it's time to go back in. And it like skips ahead a little bit to like when Cloud meets Aerith. And you just do a fight. It, I, it's soon. They didn't cut a lot. But you don't go direct. Like a cutscene happened. Like a black screen like with some text that reel? said everybody split up. Oh my and God. And then you meet her. It It's like a. Sounds a highlight terrible. reel with a very loose definition of what a highlight is. Uh, <laughs> how long is this that they just do these vignette things and then skip forward? Like, I mean, you wrap most of what you'll do is a conversation and then some combat. This sounds ass, dude. <laughs> it does sound uh, ass. And then they're going to be honest, you, like a whole bunch not... of mobile currencies. And but how do they keep you playing? Like, what are you doing then? Like, and then what? You know what and I mean? What? Yeah, uh, I. that's the part where I don't think I could objectively speak to that. Because I'm still very much, like, everything I've played of it so far has been because I want to see what it is. Yeah. Right. I just wanted an impression for what this thing is. Got it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what outside of that would keep people coming back to it. Weird. Um, maybe that stuff is there will i take the time to get that far why was i don't this know made? it's why was this made it's... oh that's a solid question for yeah. money okay for money yeah. but I guess. yeah it's wild um this is sad so then the gotcha <laughs> you you just get a 
This is making it's me a mobile game. This is making me it's, sad. It's a mobile game. Those are sad more often. See, than not. It, that was when this was announced. We we're like, oh my god, look at, it. and then it's like for mobile, and we're like, oh, fuck. oh, and, yeah, it's like ah, shit. Yep, it's like they're gonna fuck it somehow. Yep. Are they milking Final Fantasy seven to death? Yes, specifically, yeah. yes. Have they been <laughs> since the beginning? I mean, not since the beginning, but since no. they did that uh, kind of research. Remake seems the to. Uh, era, where they did like Dirge Service and then the movie. And then there was like a, I think there was like a cell phone game in Japan only. And yeah, then, there was. There was a few There were things. a few side products around that time. Nothing for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then they did remake and now they're just pushing it out there and milking it again. Yep, they're back at it. Except this time, like, I don't know. Like, like at least with Dirge of Cerberus or I don't know some of these other games, it's like they at least wanted to show me something I haven't seen yet. Yeah, in a different setting or whatever. And this doesn't have that. Weird. This is really weird and not in a good or interesting way. Um, I don't know. I don't even know that I'll stick with the full release long enough to get back to where I was in the beta. My, my day's ruined. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> what a shit. Well, yeah, it's real hard to recommend that. I was going to say, it's unfortunate, but not at all surprising. They had that at the Ooh. Square Enix booth, and I was looking at it, and they're like, if you do a, a, a pre-register, you'll get like 5,000 blue coins and three draw packs. And I'm like, nope, I ain't going anywhere near <laughs> any of that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I signed up for the closed beta on a lark, and I got in. So I was like, "Well, I guess I'll see what it's about." And I've seen what it's about. Nothing good. All yeah. right. Well, I'm gonna do some quick hits on some of the things that I played at PAX. I'm not even gonna hit the little bumper thing because I'm gonna talk about like just five games that uh, some of them are probably things you'd never heard of, and then I'll end with Mario that everybody wants to hear about. So first, the first game that I played in the door at PAX West was Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. This is a Castle Roids take on Prince of Persia. Uh, I played the Nintendo Switch version, but it's gonna be available, I believe, on everything. Uh, And this game, uh, I am a kind of casual Prince of Persia fan, I guess. I, I really enjoyed the Sands of Time. I didn't play any of the uh, the follow-ups after that. I did play the one where it's like, uh, what was that? He was like voiced by Nolan North, and he had like a big red cape and a big claw. Oh, he had a big bandana, the one that was yeah, on yeah, PS3. Yeah. I, actually, I love that I, game. I, I say, That's I great. That's a good-ass game. game. <laughs> um, but Sweet. I wouldn't call myself like, I mean, I don't know a lot about that universe and that series. I'm kind of like in and out, right? Okay. This one I really liked. I thought this was super cool. Uh, the, the combat is interesting in that, um, you have the, in the demo, you, you obviously uh, get it like a peek at some of the, the badge improvements and the perks that you can assign to your character. But really, the controls just felt really good. Uh, the enemies have different defenses. You know, some of them you got to flip behind because they're shielded and some of them are like ranged enemies. And you have this this uh, ranged attack. Uh, I don't think you even are the Prince of Persia. You're some side character or whatever, but your ranged attack is it's almost like a boomerang that can ricochet off of things. So if you hold down the shoot button, you get like an aiming reticule Sweet. that you can position on the screen. And depending on where you can position it, you can bank your shot. 
so you can like shoot it and skip it off the floor and then hit it off the wall and then hit the enemy so it's kind of like batman batarang kind of thing okay. uh, so there's lots okay. of interesting combat options in it the the traps and the i, I guess puzzle elements in the game are really cool so you know, like spike spike floors and your wall jumping off of things and of course you're doing the you grab the pole and you do the flips and you just the navigation and the aerial and the the fluidity of it felt really good it was about a 15 minute demo um i actually really enjoyed it and i'm probably gonna end up picking this one up and it wasn't really on my radar i was more looking forward to the reboot of assassin's creed but this is the game ubisoft brought and i i can see why because it looked really good Super fun. Um, Good. Yeah, it, that one's that one's exciting. And I'm, it's I'm glad to see Prince of Persia be good again. It, it got weird for a I'm, while. To make an impression like that, you know, is is very interesting to me as well because, like you said, when I saw your footage come out of it and how highly you were speaking about it, it's it's odd that it's just it's grabbing me in. This is it's, great. It, yeah, go. it was a game that I you know I saw the trailer for. And I'm like, okay, but it just plays. You know when you play a game and it just feels right on the sticks? Yeah. Like, it's just mm -hmm. like, I can't yeah. imagine the controls could be any tighter. It just feels good to play, and that's nice. what this was. So, that's Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. It releases... Oh, crap, I don't have the release date. Um, <coughs> Is it coming on Game Pass? Probably. I mean, okay, doesn't everything? No, but I mean, a lot <laughs> of things everything? do. I hope Seems it does. Like, well, this but... is a Ubisoft joint. Yeah, it's It'll Ubisoft. probably be on they EB Play or whatever EB, the hell yeah. they had. Uh, the other, the next game that I played, I went from Prince of Persia to Foam Stars. Now, this is the Splatoon okay. ripoff from Square Enix, and this is a game that is—I don't think—I don't think it's unsurprising that it's fun. What I thought was kind of interesting was the the difference. I'll just talk about it. It's Splatoon, right? It's Splatoon. It's four on four. You've got a color. The other guys have a color. You have different weapons, so that you have like a heavy or you have like a, a really fast character, you know, there's different character classes, nothing unsurprising there. What was interesting about the foam element is that you can kind of change, not really the topography of the level, but the foam accumulates vertically. So unlike Splatoon where you're just painting the ground and it slows you down, the foam, as you pile it up, not only slows your character down if it's the opposing team's color, but you can like hide behind it, which is kind of cool. So mm -hmm. as the mode that I was playing was, it was called uh, Smash the Star or Splat the Star or something like that. And the idea behind this mode was that your team had a certain amount of lives. And once those lives were depleted, the best player on the team that lost all their lives, that person gets determined as the star. And he's kind of like your last beacon of hope. And the match doesn't end until the star is vanquished. So even though your team is fully out of lives, the match doesn't end until the other team kills the star. And so it kind of pivots the strategy in where everybody who's on your team is kind of protecting you, trying to keep you alive. Uh, the star all of a sudden has an oh shit moment of I've got to be way more protective of myself. Um, and, and you know, it, it's got all the same Splatoon elements that you, that you would expect where you accrue special attacks. You know, you can shoot rockets up into the air, that blast foam. It plays just like a, a PS5 version of Splatoon. It's fun. And I think the foam, you know, like I said, the fact that, you know, it builds up. There was only one level on display, so I don't know how dynamic that can be 
based on like the level design, but it was kind of interesting to be playing the game and you've got these big walls of foam, like a bubble bath that's been, you know, overrun and you're trying to find the star or you're trying to find opposing players and they're hiding within that foam. Kind of like building forts around you as you play. It was kind of cool. So like you, you, can you climb it at all or is it just you like you walk through it and that's it? No, it's it's kind of squishy, I guess. So you can like jump up on it and over it. But okay. I don't know. It's it's kind of like it, high density. You know, it, it strikes, it's not a wall. It doesn't like stop you. Yeah. Like you can't okay. get over it. But it's not like you just pass through it either. It it strikes me very much like a game that's going to be a lot more fun than it looks like it should be. It, it was a good time. But, and, but it's probably not going to get the support that it exactly. needs to really be successful. That's, Who makes that's, this? Who's this is Square there? Enix, which is what? this which is interesting, right? Oh like God. that's I don't that's know. Weird. I thought it was a Ubisoft thing when you were describing it. It's I it, it, I had that exact same thought Will, where it's like this is going to be fun for a few months and then it's going to be like a knockout city kind of thing where it's like everybody's talking about it maybe mm-hmm. for a month or two and then it's probably going to fall off, but it is a good time. Knockout City was a gem. Is but a gem. it is going to be dependent on Support. other other people playing yeah. because it is like an online game like Splatoon, and Splatoon's got that feather in its cap of like that was the shit and still is for a lot of people. So your your mileage is probably going to mar- uh, vary based on how many people are playing that game. So that's Foam Stars. Next game I want to talk about is something I had never heard of. It's called. Don't judge it by its title. It's called Big Boy Boxing. And this is for Steam Switch. And this game is Punch-Out. This game is a pixel art punch-out. Okay. And I freaking had a blast. I was playing this game. Me and Elliot were passing the controllers back and forth. It's exactly what you think of Punch-Out. It's your characters on the bottom of the screen. And then you're fighting a giant oversized character kind of in the background. They have is the character a stereotype? Oh yeah. Well, okay. So the the, the character that I was the character that I was yeah, fighting yeah. against, and you there was like uh-huh. five or six of them that you could play in the demo, was uh, Mister Adulty Man, and it was excuse me three three or four kids stacked on top of each other in a big trench coat <laughs> because they're not okay. old enough to enter the boxing okay. league. So they put on a big, they did the whole Muppet Man thing. They stand on their shoulders and they put a big trench coat on. And like, you can see the eyes of the kid in the middle, like poking through the buttons of the jacket. Hilarious. The animation's fun. It's exactly what you expect from Punch-Out. You're reading the tell. Now, what I will tell you guys specifically about this is I was emailing back and forth with the dev after I talked to him at PAX West, and he emailed me the demo build of this game. So I will forward it to you, gentlemen. Oh my God, yes, please. And oh my you will God, be yes, able please. to play oh it. Oh my God, yes, please. You will be able to play it on your computer. The, I, uh, I haven't tried it yet, but I assume it's the demo build that I had at PAX. It's called yes. Big Boy Boxing, and it will be releasing uh, on Steam and Switch. It's from Soup Masters. A lot of fun. Sure. Surprised the hell out of me. I'm like, oh my God, this is punch out does it does it does it have a date i'm already very excited about it they said i think early next year is what yeah, he told it says me. to okay. be to be announced okay. so yeah. the okay. is the frame rate like uh it, it, it's a very unique um take on animation what I'm yes it at. looks really interesting doesn't it yeah, like very it's... fluid for pixel art 
It's very odd. Like it, it's surprise. It, it looks surprising. Nothing like I thought it would look like. Uh -huh. So take a look. Uh, very unique can... aesthetic to it. And Big I'm going to be putting a video boxing. up. Yeah, I'm going to be putting a video up on the YouTube channel this week about my impressions on that game. I was very excited that he reached out to me. Uh, I gave him my card at the show and he's like, hey, can I help you provide any content? Here's a demo. Here's a demo build of the game. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll make some content. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I'm, really enjoyed that. I love Bloodshot. I'm super excited. Bloodshot is great. Yeah. Uh, then I'm going to transition to one of the games that I played at the mix, which was that uh, intimate indie showcase at the bar, and it's called Make Way from Ice Beam, and this is going to be multi-platform. Now this is a arcade four-player racing title. Think party game in the vein of like overcooked, but it's racing. And the way that this works is you race on a track, uh, four players, and after you finish the track, you are assigned a track part that you then have a limited amount of time to assemble on the next course. So you and the other four players are building the next track that you're going to race on. And it, it, I don't know that it necessarily affects competitively wise, like how you build it, but it has this really quick pace to it where you, you race the course really quick. And then they're like, here are your pieces, put it together really quick. You only got like 15 seconds. And so there's like this competitive edge of, I'm going to get my piece where I want it before the next player gets his piece on the way he wants it. Uh, and I watched the trailer for this after I got back back home, and it looks like there are a lot of different variations, and there are a lot of uh, variations not only on the parts that you can put together, but the power-ups that you get in the scope of the track. So it's like a track-building simulator, competitive racing party game. What What is the perspective on the racing part of it? Is it a top-down, yep. you can see the whole thing? Yep, okay. top-down, one screen think like you know the old micro machines games back micro on machines yeah one it's, okay. it's like that and so you're okay. playing this little you know drifty racer it's very cartoony uh and then as soon as that race is over you quick assemble the next one and you go again and so okay it had this really fast pace of like oh let's do another one let's do another one let's do another one because you're never gonna be playing the same track twice um because you're building it and i thought that one was okay. really fun so it's an indie title that is going to be available, I believe, on all the platforms is what they said. That's called Make Way. And that brings me to Super Mario Wonder, which was the best game that I played during my whole time there. The first thing that caught my attention that surprised me was when I watched the the presentation, the announcement of Super Mario Wonder, I'm like, this is this looks this looks like it's gonna be really pulled back perspective wise to a lot for the four players, much like the way New Super Mario was, New Super Mario Brothers. It felt like the camera was way too far back than it needs to be. This felt a lot different when playing it. Uh I, I never felt like they were showing me too much of the screen or I couldn't see any of the detail because the detail on the character design is just gorgeous. We talked about that last month, the animation, the color, just the, 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 the character to the characters is very defined in this game. And so I was very pleased by that. The fact that I felt that visually camera position wise, that it was exactly where I wanted it to be and where I needed it to be for a four player game. The next thing, that I really enjoyed 
and this jumped out to me immediately is the thing that they've introduced in these four player Mario games over the years is this frustrating ping pong effect of where you are constantly bouncing into each other, jumping off of each other's heads. Uh, and you're almost like competing against the people that you're playing with because of how fucking dense it is. You know what I mean? Like you try to get over a jump. Somebody else trying to make the same jump. Oh, they bopped you on the head and you fell down the pit completely gone in this game. There is no collision with the characters at all. You're just allowed to play at your own pace and the way you want to do it, but collectively with the other players. Now, that being said, that's going to introduce, uh, you can't like uh, piggyback somebody up to a high ledge. You know, that was always the trick. Hey, I'm going to jump. You jump underneath me and bounce me up. That's going to be completely gone. But what they've done in Super Mario Wonder is they've added this new perk system where you get these badges that you can apply every single level that add a new power-up or a new wrinkle to the gameplay. And this demo had, I think, about six different badges that you could use. The one that we selected was the Hat Parachute, which is kind of like... It's, it's basically like the Mario cape, the hover. You jump, and then you hold down the button, and you hover down. But there are so many different options that they have. Um, we didn't even see a fraction of them in the game that you get to select going into every level, and that's probably going to allow you to reach new parts of the level or play things in a different way. If you're playing with kids, there's one that's like you get like an instant do-over. If you fall into lava or you fall out of a pit, it'll rescue you one time only. So it, kind of like what we were talking about in these games last month, there's certain things that you can apply to the game to make your experience easier or to cater it to the way that you want to do it, which is something that this Mario series has not done. You know, perks like that, you get power-ups, of course, and those are still in this game. Um, but being able to cater how you want your character to perform and what you want them to be able to do with these badges is something that's new and unique. Um, the payoff for that is, we hope, finding secret areas then, right? Um, being able to traverse, I mean, make it easier, some of them, but also the secret part is kind of what really intrigues me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, A lot of replayability options there. Because the thing with Mario games is like, Oh, I'm now I'm going to go back into that level that I played before because I want to get all the red coins or whatever, right? Right. That's and what then, pulls me in. I need a challenge of some type, especially mm -hmm. with something this aimed at like a family kind of experience. It sounds yeah. great. It looks great. And of course, like the gimmick of this game is like the Wonder Star, so or the Wonder Flower, sorry, where like every level there's like a a, a Wonder Flower that Mario eats or whatever, and then he gets high, and then the the level changes, right? And my favorite one during the demo was I got one of these wonder flowers and it's, it was like raining superstars. There was like a, a, a meteor shower of superstars okay. and they weren't just stars. They were superstars. So you just kept grabbing them out of the sky and you'd be invincible forever. As long as you keep grabbing these superstars out of the sky. That's fun. Uh, and That's you know, fun. You, all the things from the demo, you know, the, the wiggly pipe and all that stuff. Can you uh, skip it, just, it? Like not hit it or not eat it? You know, that's a good question. I'm very curious I don't know why you would that. want to be like, I want to play the vanilla level. In the 15 minute demo, we're like, oh my God, I want to see what this does, right? Yeah. Like, we didn't, right. we didn't interesting. replay just it to, to test a... that out, but I would imagine you can because it's just kind of floating there in the middle of the screen. Um, mm. 
and you have to jump to get it. So I would assume you can play it without it. But like you said, why would you want to? Well, Adam, how about I buy the game and you buy the game and Will buys the game? We could all play together. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 what? no. I don't. What do you mean? No? I don't. I don't really understand. I mean, okay. So the 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 thing with this game's online, as far as I understand it from watching this recent uh, direct, is that you can play with other people, but they're like a ghost, and you're not actually together. Well, that sounds a lot like how the other works. Which you, other? You still can't directly interact with them. You know what? That's a good point. That is a good point. If there's no collision, maybe maybe that is the same experience. The other part of that online thing is like they've got this this system, this like incentive to leave uh, power ups or, or or waypoints in the level to assist other players when they play at like later points. So like you can drop a waypoint that somebody else can use that isn't playing with you later in the game. And I heard somebody compare this to Death Stranding. Death Stranding. And that, like... That was what I was thinking of. That was a light bulb moment. Like, oh my god, I, n I never would have thought of that. But it's like the same thing, where you're playing in an instance <laughs> of the Mario game. Wonder is a Strand game. It's a Strand game! <laughs> you're playing an instance of the world, and you're leaving things to assist people who will play later on in the game. That's like the exact concept of Death Stranding's multiplayer. Kojima's the new voice of Mario. <laughs> <laughs> it's super weird. So, I don't know. I'm I'm not the person who's going to play this game online. So, I, while I recognize it's super weird and non-traditional, I don't want to judge it either because, A, I haven't done it. I haven't played it yet, so I'm not going to judge it until I try it. And B, it's that's not the mode I'm going to play anyway. But yes, Nintendo did the traditional Nintendo thing, and they're not like you can't just you can't just play the game with your friends in a traditional sense. From what I understand, I wanted online multiplayer so bad. <laughs> I wanted, but it you know so what? Bad. Will Will does make a great point that if there is none of that instant. Uh, interaction with the character in the game anyway maybe it is the same thing i don't know well, i don't know i don't know they just had to make it nintendo they had to make they made it, it a little nintendo. like well i mean we could give them online multiplayer but let's just have it be a ghost thing and like yeah. let's make it look uh it's just it's interesting and i can't wait to play it it's gonna be my other switch voucher you know it just came at that right time where after spending one of the two vouchers on zelda uh tears of the kingdom Wonder is going to be on a lot of people's voucher purchase list. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be good. I think it's going to be great. It's fantastic. It releases the same day as Spider-Man 2. So my wallet's fucked. I hope you guys have good news this month because my headline story makes me want to cry. And that is PlayStation Plus announced gargantuan price increases for their services and not uniformly either. Uh, so, okay. so, cause that would have made sense. Uh, the, the three tiered PlayStation plus system, which unveiled and launched this summer, I believe spring or summer, it hasn't been that long has already undergone a price hike effective immediately, unless you've already got uh, a standing subscription and then it'll take place at your renewal date. And this increase is just for the annual, right? Um, 
Everything I've seen has only listed increases for the annual. That's an int- I, I guess I don't know. I always only do the annual. So we'll speak to it in the sense of, as far as we know, it's just the annual because uh, we don't know any differently. These are the these are the price increases itemized. PlayStation Plus Essential, which is the bare ass minimum you can play online and a little less, a little Three else. games every month. Um, increased twenty dollars to eighty bucks a year. PlayStation Plus Extra, which is the middle tier, increased thirty five dollars to one hundred and thirty five dollars a year. And PlayStation Plus Premium, which is what I have, the big daddy increased $40 and it'll now be $160 a year. This has caused me to rethink having the big, the big daddy, uh, which I have because it has access to that PlayStation classics catalog. The, 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 it's got the PlayStation classics. It's got the time trials and it's got cloud streaming, which I can't do because my internet sucks. Um, with those being the only only benefits over extra, I will probably drop down to extra when my subscription renews in, uh, I believe, April. Uh, this is a big increase. This isn't like a Netflix where we're gonna yeah. raise it a couple of bucks a month. Like this is this is significant. Uh, by comparison, base Xbox Game Pass is one hundred and thirty dollars a year, which is about on par with PlayStation Plus Extra. Game Pass Ultimate is $205 a year, but the big difference here, obviously, is that Game Pass has all of those first-party games out of the gate, whereas PlayStation has doubled down and said we are not going to do that. So this is a price increase with with really, I don't think, any added benefit. It's, it, I mean, this, this yeah. is, like I said, the system just launched. The service just launched. So it is what it is for more money. Antonio, I know you are not a PlayStation player. Um, I'll get your opinion after Will. Will, which one of these services do or did you have, and is this going to make you change? I do have Premium, the top tier for that Classics catalog. Um, extra looks real good. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love the I love the classics, but they're not releasing enough of them. There's there's the, there's not a frequency and a quality to them. I mean, they've added some great stuff in there. I mean, they I add them. The, there, there's at least works. one that goes into the classics catalog every month, but like it's not it's not what I would put there. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> For sure. I mean, hey, I'll play Twisted Metal 2 because I remember playing Twisted Metal 2 when I was a teenager, but like that's right. not what I would pick. Where's Wipeout? Right. Throw some Wipeout in there. Where is Wipeout? Yeah, it's... Mm. Yeah, I don't understand why you would do this, but... what? Well, I guess I do. It's greed. Yeah. But that's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, it's probably going to be a bump down to extra for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's... And, because I think you can even purchase the classics, I think. Yep. If, yep. You, if a game drops online. that you want, like, fuck it, I'll just buy one because they're like 10. Yeah. Yeah, I was this morning, I pulled up the whole spread of like what is offered on each one. And I'm like, I just can't. I, it was hard to justify it at the uh, one. At what it was. Now yeah. it's going to be 160 I don't know that it's worth it. At and least Tony- the 120 it, it was like the same price as old PS Plus and old PS Now. Yeah. Just paying for both but i would like, i would gladly pay that with the first party stuff obviously 
but um with that not being a thing i just i just i don't yeah. think i don't see myself doing it antonio what do you think about this news i mean as as an xbox fan and game pass lover you know it just doesn't it doesn't compute um you have to have a lot of money to be a playstation fan and take advantage of all that they offer yeah, yeah. they have some premium products but their value proposition for a lot of things is very low to me um i game pass like as soon as it goes on sale i stock up and i have like the max which i think is a year banked plus i have like six months worth um ready to cash in um and i buy it on sale because it's it's just a no-brainer yeah. i don't have to buy many full price games a year um i play you know heavy hitters that i enjoy um you know they're not we don't have god of war we don't have uh, horizon we don't have a lot of the final fantasy games and it it's it hurts right but i am very happy where i am in this ecosystem and i don't have the money like that anymore like you know i'm a dad i i just can't do it and i would i think i would argue you i think you you might actually have more final fantasy because they've got 13 of, they've got well, the 13 trilogy uh, it's they, 16 they just the don't have one, 16 right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I really want to play yeah. it, though. There's gems on PlayStation. There are things that you can experience that you can't anywhere else, mm -hmm. and that's true. However... You got to pay for they, it. What's the name of that thing that they came out with where it's uh, just a screen that you can stream your PS5 oh, to? Oh, PlayStation <laughs> Portal. Yeah, so they have a very <laughs> high-priced accessory. I think it's like $300, right? Something I think it's two. Like that. Is it's it two. two? It's very, I'm pretty sure it's two. I expected higher than that, but it's well, two, it, I think. It has no, like, Bluetooth. It has no way to sh use PlayStation Plus with it. Like, it's strictly to stream your PS5 games within your home to the handheld screen device. So it's such a niche use case for such yeah, a high a price. It has a surprising thing. lack of features. Um, and then you look at PSVR 2. <laughs> great a premium experience but you paid an arm and a leg adam so i want to know how much sperm are you selling to be able to like be a playstation fan i'm jacking it right all now this stuff you're doing it under the table yep. just keep filling the cup thermos you know? after thermos um no i don't argue with anything you're saying that that that's a very true thing is that you know i PlayStation is where I like to play because of those premium titles. You know, we talked about it in our Starfield conversation. It's impossible to talk about Xbox with Xbox's offerings without comparing it to PlayStation's offerings. It's just, that's the thing. But you're exactly right. You pay for it every single time. Um, so you gotta, you gotta pick your battles. And, you know, for me, that was that was casting away xbox right like i i chose to play in the playstation ecosystem how did i save money i was done with xbox because i found myself playing there so much more right and um it's it's, it's a it's a tall ask to have people pay like 600 dollars for a psvr right like that's a huge ask i just that's the place that i love to play and yeah, I do pay more and it sucks. And when stuff like this happens, it, it doesn't feel good because you're exactly right. They're just milking it. You know, they sell that $200 portal thing and it's like, why? Because they can and because there will be people who will pay for it. 
But it's, it's the, this is there, there's a pattern of this is what PlayStation does when they're on top. This is what they do, and then eventually they'll swing their dick around until it hits them in the face, like it did with the PS3, and then they got to start over. Like this is what we're gonna end up with yeah. for foreseeable future. Ouch, ouch, my wallet um, hurts. My wallet hurts, but yeah, I'm gonna downgrade. It's just, it's what I'm yeah. going to do. I'm going to downgrade too. I feel like the extra is a good enough value, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, it puts a lot of smaller games on there that I like and was curious about, but hadn't purchased. It had uh, Sea of Stars on it, which I was absolutely going to purchase, but now I don't have to. Um, I mean, extras Ch- enough. Chia is like my current, Chia, my yeah. current front runner for game of the year right there. And it's, that was on there as well. So there is value there. It's just expensive. So and, it, and it's not in that premium tier right now. This would have made sense if the only conceivable way I can make it make sense, and I still wouldn't agree with it, would be if that classics catalog was like five times bigger than it is. Yeah. But it's agree. just agree. not. Just not there. Antonio has a Nintendo story. Yes. Um the Switch 2 is reportedly shown called you know, swooch. behind closed doors at, at at Gamescom. Shoot me. Uh, Kill me now. What's what's happening? Why? Yeah, what's wrong? The with Swooch? I am like the name? so tired of these conversations about this fucking thing. I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, so... The reportedly, it is uh, beefed up hardware, which nobody expected. Um, it's going to be a handheld or hybrid device, um, reportedly, and it can run things at like a PS5 quality. Um, Unreal Engine. It was demoed. You, you know the Matrix uh, Unreal yeah. like demo thing. You had? Did you actually play it? Oh fuck yeah! It was yeah. impressive. It's yeah. seeing the new tech, so it was able to run that. So this is all. You know, apparently rumors. seven remake runs real well on it. Yeah. So Eurogamer said that uh, it was on name sources wrote that developers had a front row seat to uh, seeing it behind closed doors. So it's interesting. And the most Nintendo thing to do would be to convince the world that they're not going to compete on power. They're not. It's over. If you if you dream about it, you talk about it. You're really just, you know, you're never going to get what you want. Like, this is just their strategy. They're not competing with Xbox and PlayStation. They don't care. Never going to happen. And right when that becomes a universally known fact, the PlayStation thing to do is to come out with a high-powered system next. Like, that's when you do it. When it went to just to fuck with everyone. Was, so Was Nintendo at Gamescom? Uh, I don't like know. an official capacity? Not sure. I don't know. Honest. That's hard to say. That's a lot more of a developer's conference than it is a press or a show. Right. So, so it's it, it's all, you know, still not confirmed, right? Until yeah. anything's announced, you don't know. Um, but the prospect of a high-powered Switch or, or Nintendo device is going to make huge waves if it ends up being true. Because 
that has been for me one of the things that's always held it back like i like the cutesy like universal style that doesn't require you know beefy hardware to pull off the nice cartoony saturated you can do a lot and you can make a lot of beautiful things with underpowered systems it's a fact however what could nintendo do if they had that power behind them how Give what they the, could do is the have master all my damn crafters. Money. Yeah, I mean they're masters at doing more with less. What happens when you give them more? So this is reported by Eurogamer. Yes, and then Jez Corden says heard rumors recently oh, that the Nintendo maybe showed discuss behind closed doors at Gamescom. So he uh, tweeted or axed okay. or whatever the f that. Fucking Will you you sound like you've heard a lot of this? What's your? I, I I I have, and I'm I was like preemptively burned out on Switch Two conversations, just because they've been happening for so long. Okay. Okay. Here here's here's my my two cents on it. If it is as as powerful and as beefy as they say it is, to me all that says is they they want ports of these games because early on out of the gate they were getting ports like they they got the witcher to run on switch and they were very impressive ports because of the big step down but that stopped that's dried up the thing carrying the switch has been indies and nintendo games and this if it's as powerful as they say i think it's probably primarily to get those ports to get seven remake to get all these other games, I don't honestly expect them to change a whole lot about how they make games. I would... They're going to keep doing what they're going to do. And like, I, I wouldn't expect a big change in development philosophy from them. But maybe with extra power, maybe... Maybe the power will make up for Game Freak's complete inability to optimize a Pokemon game. <laughs> Good point. Because <laughs> God fucking damn it, they can't do it to save their lives. <laughs> Poppin, um, Jaggies, uh, you know, all these limitations that have been in their more, their bigger games. Um, and I have always, I have always said the Pokemon has real performance issues. It is a developer problem, not a hardware problem. Hmm. A more powerful platform would would just give it the raw power to just brute force it, for lack of an eloquent way to say it. Because their games could run a hell of a lot better than they do. They're just not very good at making video games right now. Hmm. Like, the games are fine. They just don't run well. They can't optimize it to save their lives. But, like, nothing that they're doing is significantly more complex than what Nintendo is doing. And Pokemon is a weird situation because they own part of the license, but they don't develop the games internally. They don't own that company. I wish they did, because then maybe they could make them run. But maybe with brute force, they'll run anyway. But they have been... That's a developer problem. That is not a hardware problem. With great power comes great price tags. Um, that is, I am definitely concerned about that. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Interesting. Yeah, because that's not cheap. Uh, what 
a PS5 can do, like, mm-hmm. anything comparable in this. Once you get to this range, then you make it handheld. Right. Yeah. And well, here's the here's the thing. Backwards, backwards we, compatibility. We don't necessarily know what like the resolution is going to be on this thing either. I would wager it's still not going to shoot for four. For I don't think like it's not going to be a 4K handheld thing, right? Reportedly, it's an LCD screen, not an OLED. That's like a rumor that's been bullshit. out there. That's bullshit. That's yeah, you're putting latest. your money. I'm not on saying OLED? it's. Not, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying it's bullshit and a shitty thing to do. Oh, I have, an, o- I have an OLED switch and it's gorgeous. Well, OLED it's is the future. best. Yeah. No, I mean the fact that again, it's it's an effort usually cost cutting. So it's like I know keeping that in mind. But the, the OLED know. switch, like OLED screens, are beautiful. It's it's such a difference. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's exciting, uh, and but it's, I don't it's, know. I do think some of the stuff coming out of there. It is backwards compatible, which is uh, stellar. Great, A plus. Thank you. That's the rumor. That was absolute. That, that is a requirement. You think so? I mean, I, the fact that they're going to have a handheld, it's like pretty given, right? Yeah, I would hope so. Like, do this and just do this some more is, is I think, the path to a successful Switch successor. Just do more of it. Mm-hmm. And like, I think with the user base of the switch i think backwards compatibility is a necessity to get them to come forward how much because life, you how much life do you think is left in like when does this launch you think do i they think like they like to launch in the spring don't they the, yeah Nintendo? that's what they uh, did with the switch yeah I believe. so we're thinking so, 2025 this i was gonna out. say i guess probably 2025 yeah, probably this ain't coming out next spring there ain't no way yeah because we would be in the hype cycle by right. now They'd be showing us what it is. I'm look. I don't have access to oh, that kind of information summer. right now. But like, it's September. Yeah. Summer. Past. It, 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 yeah. If it comes out in six months, if we don't see it in the September Nintendo Direct, then it's 2025. It's either the end of 2025 or the holiday season of 2024. Exciting. I'm excited. And they might honestly. as well. They might do the holiday release because. There's not going to be another PlayStation or Xbox launching in that same window. Yeah. He's right. Or there shouldn't be. <laughs> He's right. Hot, the hot item in 2025 is going to be the Switch Max or whatever the hell. I'm going with Switch. As long, please just just call it the Switch too. No way. 100. Please Switch you. Please. <laughs> I was like. If anything, they have been burned so badly by doing a stupid naming convention. Yeah. That you need bunt. Bunt this thing's name. <laughs> if it's called the Switch 2, I'll eat my hat. And there's no way it's You're not wearing a hat, two. sir. Switch 2, no way. All right. They've never done I'm a 2. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying please. Right? Super They've Switch. never done a 2, right? Super, Super Switch. Switch right? Something right. to signify that it's the Switch, but more. People yeah. love Super Switch. If if oh they God. if they go away from that Switch moniker, like they're crazy. It's just, yep, that's just nuts. All right, Will. And like, yeah, you've got a oh, you've got turn. another Nintendo story here. I do. Uh, we're not going to get DLC for Tears of the Kingdom. Are you okay with and that? I'm a little. I've thought about it. Ultimately, I am. The I am okay game. with. It. I am. Su- I'm surprised by it because. Like every first party Nintendo game has had something. Yeah. Something. 
but they, they just they said no we did what we wanted to do and they're moving on and like they haven't even decided quite what the setting of the next Zelda game is but they're starting like pre-pro is happening um, ultimately I'm fine with it I really I love Tears of the Kingdom the way it is um, there are some things I would do differently but nothing that could be addressed in DLC I don't know what DLC would bring to the table and if I'm gonna be honest the Breath of the Wild DLC was pretty fucking weak yeah that was what I was gonna bring up other than the motorcycle like I the motorcycle when you're done to roam around in the world that you're finished with right yeah it was pretty weak um this doesn't it doesn't really bother me I'm just surprised by it have you beat Tears of the Kingdom yet have you finished it oh yeah oh yeah Without spoiling anything, story-wise, could they continue the Zelda, this Zelda timeline with more? Like, could they continue with these characters? Or do you think it'll be a total overhaul? I imagine they'll go total overhaul. I think that there are in, there are still good stories to tell with these characters that could be done. But... Yeah, I I don't see that as the way that they go forward with it. Um, I imagine they'll just switch it up completely. Just change it. Make something different. Yep. Make something new. I think also they would probably get criticized pretty heavily if we did a third game in the same in the same Hyrule. Yeah, you think? Yeah. I absolutely do. I'm not sure what you add to it. Right. Everything would be... The only evolution I can see is from a narrative perspective. And that's not enough, I don't think, for them to be satisfied with this product. So they're just going to start over. They're going to do something different. I'm fascinated by where they go because they've nailed like scale um, and, and scope. And they had an amazing uh, physics-based kind of interaction system with incredible depth. And then you add the Lego aspect to it and all every power that they added. It's it's just like, can they outdo themselves once again? And will they tighten up the experience? Like, will it be? I mean, it, it's not going to be apples to apples this time. I don't know. What in in the way Tears of the Kingdom to Breath of the Wild is. It's not going to be apples to apples. This is going to be at least with what they've done, you know, with these last couple they're going to do something different and strange with some elements. You're going to see the through line that like these same people, they made these games and they learned stuff from doing so. But I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect an attempt to just do that, but better I do think, that, but more. I think the one thing that I would almost bet money on that they do in the next game is further this idea that they give you a toolkit, right? Like this is something that they've established in the last two Zelda games is they give you something that seems simple or straightforward that because of this social media age, this internet age, people are gonna make or or optimize their experience in these quirky, memeable ways, right? Like that's the thing with Zelda yeah. now is like, look at this giant mech that I built out of these planks of wood, like, and with the same thing with Breath of the Wild. Like, look what I was able to do with this. I was able to launch myself halfway across the map by suspending this thing. And 
I, I think that's absolutely the way forward. Yeah, yeah they're, they're gonna they're gonna that, give you a toolkit of some kind. I I think that ha- that is the new Zelda format. Yeah, that's what Zelda games are now. I think. I think it, anything besides that, if you get anything else, it's remakes. But like as far as new games going forward, I feel like that is the new core design philosophy. Philosophy. You just uh, get all the tool. You give them the tools. Which is, you know, and that was a discussion around Breath of the Wild. It's like that is like an inversion of how Zelda's been to that point where you go and you get the tools. Right. I would argue I was resistant. I was really resistant to it. Tears of the Kingdom brought me around that you can give enough interesting tools at the beginning to carry the whole thing going forward. But... Uh... That will stay there. Like some of that core philosophy will be there, but I think it's just going to be a completely different kind of thing. I'm 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 going to force myself to finish that game. I really am. <laughs> I want Here, to Adam. I want to see the story. I want to see how it culminates and ends. And I just watch just the watch story a, is is just watch is a story, phenomenal. Dude. The ending sequence. No, 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 no. Play play not, the ending sequence. I'm not. The ending okay. sequence okay. is stellar. That, that's the, the ending thing. sequence is. Phenomenal. I had so many conversations with people at. 2D con specifically about Zelda because they heard my take on Zelda, and it's and and a surprising amount of people had the same thing where it's like I enjoy playing this game. When I'm not playing it, I'm not thinking about going to play the game. So I just have to. It sounds terrible, and I this is like my this is against everything that I believe about games. You should not make yourself play a game, but I really believe that once I get to that point. In that story, my opinion is going to change. I just have to get there. Um, so I will. Yeah. I will. I... The, the ending is phenomenal. Please, please do bring yourself to play it. I will. It is. It's like my favorite final sequence. It's very, very good. I'll get there. I'll get there. Well, that sound, of course, means we've come to the end of this our last traditional episode of Mega Dad's Live before we wipe the slate clean and Mabel mops the floors and we start something new. I'm very excited to start something new. But before we do that, we got a recommendation. Everybody brings a recommendation about something, hopefully outside the world of video games, that we think you should enjoy. Antonio, please kick us off. What's in your caboose? Um, something to do outside of gaming uh, would probably be fantasy football. Um, you know, get a get a big oversized plate of nachos and just oh, boot up. Yeah. You know nachos. what I mean? Just get the greasiest food you can, the spiciest wings you can, and just I- enjoy it. I like uh, the fall, and fall is here, and it brings many things. Apple picking, football, uh eating uh eating pumpkin like shit like that like dead hooker collecting yes exactly so get out there and enjoy fall people it's it's arrived will what's in your caboose (laughs) not down here it has it it's still much too hot is it hot Um, here still (laughs) of course it is of course um (laughs) i'm bringing another book to the table um I would like to recommend The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. 
it is a it's not a novel in the conventional sense it is a collection of essays about a variety of topics ranging from like the the long i'm sorry just like the sheer massive amount of control we have over the natural world as we see it and like the pros and cons of that how we are so strong but so weak at the same time to diet dr pepper and canadian geese they they are a long so yeah yeah it's no, a I roller coaster right? words <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> it's wild and it's certainly not the kind of thing where you sit down and you read half this book at, at a go because each one of the individual parts, each individual essay is filled with a lot of interesting historical facts, which I all, you know, I like, I watch little, you know, short informative videos on you know, like YouTube all the time. But then it also has, you know, some of the humor and there's a level of uh, philosophy in parts of it. I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, Parts of it are going to hit differently for different people. Some people may just bounce off it entirely, but like, I am absolutely adoring it so far. And what's the title of this book? The Anthropocene Re- Reviewed. Um, essays on a human-centered planet. planet. Yeah. All so, right. A collection of essays. Yeah. Um, about weird human stuff. Yeah, there's one about like staff bacteria that I read the other day, followed up by one about academic decathlon. And the one that got me a little misty eyed was the one about the academic decathlon. I I put the book down after I finished that one for a second because I was a little emotional about it. And one, I guess one important piece of context to go into this, and it does come through in some of these, but not others is this is his this is his pandemic book Uh, this book is written 2020 2021 and it comes through it's not like explicit all the time it does get mentioned a few times um in ways that I don't know, like I, I've really enjoyed reading it. Even these parts that are about the unpleasantness. <laughs> yeah. And it's I just I'm having a very good time with it. I think it's a very engrossing read. It's not uh full of itself, right? Because like this says uh like just a lot of glowing reviews. It says it's essential to the human conversation. A reminder of what it is to feel small and human in the best way possible. Um, but everyone's saying they love it, so it's not. It it can it express. Oh, he's not listening. He's he's got to listen to something. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Real world matters. Um, I would say it conveys some of those ideas. Some of those ideas I've come away with, but they're not like explicitly stated. The book is decidedly not haughty and full of itself. Okay, you don't have to be. Theme... Do I have to be smart to read it? <laughs> um. <laughs> Some books you have to be smart, Every, bro. Hey, look, at most, you may gum. have to look up some obscure words that don't mm. happen all that often. Words know. like Anthropocene. But most of the time, that he... <laughs> that's cool. He explains it. Okay, okay. He explains it. Um, 
he has a real talent for communicating in this form in the written format and it is it's easy to understand and it it touches these these big larger ideas but it does so in a way where he like he admits that he is just a guy like there's one okay there's one about air conditioning <laughs> there's one about air conditioning and at the end he goes through all of it the development and then the pros the cons that using all this energy to control the air inside is making the outside hotter still so it just builds on itself and at the end he's like but at the same time I hate being hot indoors I am very much a part of this problem and that a part of it like humans have so much impact on the world around them and everything about it but we as individual humans like if you look at it individually like we we don't in many ways like some of our like on the individual level it's hard to be cognizant of your impact on the larger picture like but that larger picture is wild. important yeah it is. i don't know i don't know <laughs> i think you it have is. to be smart to read it. i'm scared i you do not have to be smart to read this book books scare me but my caboose is donuts Donuts are also awesome. <laughs> donuts are sick. I, uh, <laughs> I fucking love donuts. I uh, in Seattle, I I went to the Pikes Market and they had a donut stand. They have lots of food stands, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and this <laughs> this donut this donut stand had a variety of donuts. <laughs> Were there chocolate donuts? And, uh, <laughs> Like sprinkled donuts and like powdered sugar donuts, and I and I had I had a maple bacon donut. This is what you're telling us, ma- ma- and like it's a donut. Is, this is new. Maple with, bacon donut. With no, like, we know what it is. With like you just bacon told us what it is. No, no like good donuts are good donuts, but there are bad donuts. I've out there. never had a donut with bacon on it, and I liked it. So my caboose is donuts. Donuts are sick. Donuts are awesome. Sick, bro. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Megadads Live. <laughs> we'll see you guys next month with our new format. A special extended thanks to Will and Antonio for being here. And for you guys for listening, make sure you tune in to all of our great packs attack stuff on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Megadads. All right, I'm going to (laughs) go. Love you guys. Bye. (laughs) That's perfect. Perfect.